young. Tyra, you guys we're tired of all your bitching out there. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I I recorded this whole episode last night and I listened to it back. It was like an almost like an hour or something worth of audio. <laughs> and I listened to the whole thing back. It was like one in the morning and I was like, cool, I'll wake up in the morning. I'll edit a little bit before I go to school and then I'll go to school and then I'll come home and I'll finish editing it and I can upload it this evening. So I wake up this morning and I'm ready to edit it and I go into um, GarageBand, which is what I use, and I click on it and it says audio can't be found. (laughs) So that was that was a great time for me. So I apologize that this episode is coming out a little bit later. I I like pride myself on consistency. I really want to stay consistent with this podcast. So I promise to have my shit together. I'm still learning. (laughs) And I, I really don't even actually know what happened. I literally saved it last night. I saw it saved as entered the name. You guys don't really care about anything that I'm saying. So I'm going to move on. Um, Happy Black History Month. If you are feeling some type of white guilt, my PayPal is Tyra, T-Y-R-A-X-O. And my cash app is Tyra, like Thai food, T-H-A-I-Y-R-A. And if you're having some white guilt and want to help a girl out, (laughs) no, I'm totally kidding. I know people are going to think I'm being serious. I'm literally not. I was joking. I just thought it was a joke, but maybe it's not funny. I don't know. (laughs) Before I get into like my main topics, I have to flex a little bit. I really hardly ever like try to act like I'm like someone special because I know that I'm not literally if you know me and realize I am like the most forgetful person you will ever meet. Like you'd be like, is Tyra even here? And I would be like in the same room. It's lit. Anyway. But one of my favorite authors, a vegan author, um, her name is Carol J. Adams, and she followed me on Twitter the other day, and I literally, like, screamed. I was so excited. If you don't know who she is, she wrote The Sexual Politics of Meat, and she also is in the Animal Rights Hall of Fame. I, I just love her. <laughs> I literally, I love her so much, so it was, it was, it was a cool story for me. It was, it was a cool day. And last weekend, I also went to VegFest. Um, if you guys don't know what a VegFest is, see if they have one in your area because it'd be so cool if you were able to go. It's a whole festival that is full of vegan. Everything there is vegan. So it's really cool to have that like moment where you don't have to check and see if what you're eating is vegan and be super conscious of like if what you're eating is vegan. Everything is vegan. You don't have to like check. And it's a whole festival. They have like panels and games and so many vendors and food and it's a good time and sometimes animals will come like from different sanctuaries and stuff and it's it's lit it's fun anyway so um look up your city and then just type in veg fest and see if you guys have one because it'd be so cool if you could experience that if you're even if you're old vegan new vegan kind of vegan (laughs) whatever it is not vegan at all it it just be cool to like you know see some vegan shit and so we had one here where I'm from Sacramento and I finally met Nick and Krista if you guys don't know who they are you guys are probably gonna be like who the fuck is that who the fuck's Nick and Krista like but I literally okay 
Nick, first of all, he's the strongest man in the world. Like, Google it. I literally love them with my whole heart. Whenever I tweet something and I, like, see that Nick or Krista liked it, it's, like, that seal of approval that, okay, I'm not being too much. Like, this isn't dramatic. Like, this isn't, like, a Tyra shut the fuck up. Like, stay in your lane. (laughs) And, like, I feel like when Nick and Krista like a tweet of mine, it's, like, that stamp of approval that I'm, like, okay, I did good. Like, this is good. Anyway, I was just so excited to meet them. And their daughter is the most adorable, most, like, polite child I've ever met in my life. I don't know. Anyway, you guys don't care about Nick and Krista. My mom, I always talk about Nick and Krista whenever, like, they like something for me or, like, we pass by their house because they live pretty close to me. And I'm like, did I tell you Nick and Krista live there? And she's like, yeah, I I know. Shut up. (laughs) Anyway, so it was really cool to go to VegFest and have that experience. And they had a diversity panel there. And so so many vegans of color were able to like share their experience of what it's like to be vegan. So many of you guys came up and said hi. And that was so cool to like be in my hometown and like go to an event and like meet other vegans from here that follow me on Twitter. That was so fun. And like, So, so many of you guys came up and like gave me hugs and that was so cool (laughs) and it was so fun and thank you to everyone. I know I'm socially awkward. Anytime like I would, when I was done meeting Nick and Krista, um, I looked to my friend and I was like, was I weird? Do I have something in my teeth? Is my hair okay? Like (laughs) I'm so like over self-conscious. I'm hyper aware of like me as a person and I just, I'm so self-conscious and I like, I'm kind of hard on myself sometimes. So I'm I have really bad anxiety so like I literally was just like is my hair okay do I look okay and I don't know so like I was weird and you came up to see me like thank you anyway (laughs) I genuinely had a really good time so I'm just gonna get into the main topics because like I said I really hate really long intros so I'm gonna try to cut those down this is probably like the longest intro I've had maybe I just had so much shit I wanted to talk about so we're gonna get into the main topics I'm gonna talk about the PETA Super Bowl ad because a lot of you guys wanted my opinion and since this is Black History Month I wanted to do something obviously my whole like thing right now is pushing black perspectives that's kind of the series that I'm going on it's not just so much about um I'm black and I'm vegan it's like your perspective as a black person just in general is so unique to you and I want to push those perspectives out more so before we get into my main topics for the day we have our kombucha of the episode the kombucha of the episode does that even does that sound does that sound cute i literally am making a kombucha girl face right now like <laughs> if you guys know like the kombucha girl mean i was literally like um mm, no nah. well <laughs> anyway okay so the kombucha i'm drinking today is local um it's called casey kombucha this isn't sponsored or anything like that they're just from my hometown and i bought some of their kombucha at veg fest and i loved it i got the coconut lime flavor and what i really like about this company from what they told me is that you can take you know they give you you hear that Anyway, they give you glass bottles. So if you take your glass bottles back to their tap room, which is actually located in Oak Park. And if you're from Sacramento, you know, that's the hood. So we giving kombucha to everybody out here. Yeah, I I, I think that's really cool that, you know, you can take your bottle and they'll give you, I think they said like 15% off or something like that if you come back and reuse your own bottle. So I think that's pretty dope. I got the coconut lime flavor. I'm going to open it. Ooh. 
I like this kombucha because it's a really nice, clean scent. I guess scent is not the word. Like, it's a nice, clean taste. It has like just like a slight of lemon and it even kind of feels like there's a little bit of mint in it. I can't wait to see this company grow, hopefully, because they're local and I love supporting local places and I can't wait to review local places again in the future. So jumping into our first main topic, which is going to be the Super Bowl ad. If you guys haven't seen PETA's banned Super Bowl ad it's probably because it was banned (laughs) and you weren't actually allowed to watch it I guess they I mean you could obviously watch it on YouTube but I mean they you weren't gonna watch it during the Super Bowl is what I mean if you haven't seen it it starts off with like this bee and it's like coming into nature from the sky and it like lands on this flower and then it comes in and it like takes a knee you know like playing a like mock I guess they're kind of like mimicking Colin Kaepernick and so they're like kneeling this bee is like kneeling on this flower and then it pans to this bear who also takes like a kneel then it pans to the water and there's some fish (laughs) in the in this water and they're kneeling and um then it goes like up the waterfall it's like this pretty ass waterfall like the animation in this was very great but it goes up this waterfall to like this sad ass looking fox couple like that those foxes had straight up depression bro like they were the poster child of depression in the forest in that bitch i swear i've never even seen an animation cartoon like that look that sad they also kneeled and then it um, goes to like a rat and a spider and they're kneeling next to this tree that has like this cup. It looks like a fast food cup, like kind of resting on this tree branch. And so I guess they're like kind of showing a little bit how like we're invasive to the forest maybe with our trash. I'm not exactly sure, but that was there. And then you see a horse kneeling and then it goes to like this baby pig that's kneeling next to like they're sleeping, quote unquote, like question mark, question mark. (laughs) It looked like the cow was, I mean the cow, it looked like the pig was maybe sleeping, but knowing PETA, it was probably dead, (laughs) but it looked dead. I mean, it could be sleeping and I'm could be just morbid like that, but I think it could also be dead, but maybe it was sleeping but it was like the baby pig and then baby pig it was so cute oh so cute okay anyway the baby pig was kneeling next to his little mom and it was so cute okay anyway and then last it pans to like this white girl <laughs> maybe she's white I'm, I'm assuming she's white because she don't look black she could be some other she could be tanned I don't fucking know but it looked like this white girl she was kneeling next to this cute ass rabbit and then there was this angry ass looking eagle like the most mad like (laughs) this guy had like spilled his coffee he like someone else took his morning worm like this bitch like an airplane flew by him and like knocked him off his course or some shit because this bitch was mad like he looked pissed but anyway so this eagle comes in lands on this tree ranch and then the eagle comes in and like takes a kneel as well obviously and then it ends with like this white screen that says respect is the right of every living being and then it um says hashtag end speciesism and if you don't know what speciesism is i wonder if 
Google will tell me. What is the definition of speciesism? Speciesism means the assumption of human superiority leading to the exploitation of animals. Okay, so there you go. The assumption of human superiority leading to the exploitation of animals is what speciesism means by definition. So a lot of you guys messaged me and you were like, how do you feel about this? This is very controversial. This seems like it's up your alley. And it is. (laughs) That is something that I would typically, you know, jump on whenever there's something that's controversial that's like related to black and veganism. It's like my little radar goes off and I'm like, oop, like, and I oop, and I don't know. Anyway, that's just like what I'm interested in. Obviously, it's my passion. It's what I like to study. It's what I want to push to people. And what comes with that is kind of being like this. I don't want to say poster child because I don't think of myself like that at all. I think there's way bigger black vegans. Clearly, Angela Davis is fucking vegan. Um, Like there's so many huge vegan black perspectives out there that I guess people wouldn't really know about. But we'll get into that later in the episode. But a lot of people wanted to know my opinion on it. And I tweeted something kind of fast. Like as soon as I saw it, I didn't even know about it. And I watched it. And I knew that people were going to immediately have so many opinions on it. And I tweeted something very fast within like minutes after seeing it. And I said, unpopular opinion. I think this ad is beautiful. And it kind of made me cry. The whole point of kneeling was to bring awareness to brutality. Both issues are so important. The world just isn't ready to accept the fact that we brutally kill trillions of animals per year. And I stand by what I said. I I do think the ad was beautiful. I don't think that this was the most controversial, horrible, worst thing ever done to the black community. I really don't see that outrage. The ad on YouTube has about 250,000 views the last time I checked, which was about two days ago. And it had a little under 2k likes and about 4.4k dislikes on Um, YouTube. I expected the comments to actually be pretty brutal and like ripping Pete apart, but it was mostly people just saying it made them think. I saw some comments saying that people love animals, but they're still going to stand for the flag. And then one guy was saying that animals aren't sentient, which is just okay. I don't know if PETA is controlling their comments or not. I don't know if they're deleting them or not because pretty much a lot of them were pretty positive and I kind of expected it to not have that much of a positive outcome but knowing kind of PETA's following I can see maybe how that is definitely possible. So obviously the ad is copying Colin Kaepernick. He used to be the former quarterback for the 49ers the San Francisco team and he stood up or you know I guess he stood down. (laughs) Come on, like that's funny, right? Okay, anyway. (laughs) He stood down (laughs) to bring awareness to like, you know, police brutality and racial injustice. And he spent his Super Bowl serving um, meals and giving out clothing to people in need. And he partnered with several organizations in order to do this. Something petty that I thought that that was funny that he was doing was um, on his Instagram story. He was reposting people who were boycotting the NFL. I was among those people. I boycotted the NFL. I do not watch football anymore. And it's not like one of those people who are like, 
oh, I boycott the NFL. I don't watch football anymore. And like they never watched football. Football was like a huge part of my like life. And I was definitely getting into it. And it was a way for me to bond with a lot of people. So giving it up was not something that was easy for me and still isn't easy for me. And I obviously can't control my environments. Like I wasn't watching the Super Bowl, but the people around me were. But I just chose to cook and stuff instead. It's not a big deal. I don't try to be pushy or rude or anything about it or force other people to do it. It's just something that not only do I just think what they did to Colin Kaepernick was just awful, but I also think just so many injustices that they constantly do. I think they exploit people all the time. I think they definitely are very sexist and exploit their cheerleaders. And there's just so much stuff that goes into the NFL that I think, you know, people who are abusive and rapists and things like that don't get nearly as much punishment as Colin Kaepernick when all he did was kneel for police brutality. And it just shows how rooted as a society we are in white supremacy and how even the slightest bit of inconvenience where you have to see this guy kneeling just to bring awareness to something is so controversial because it's police brutality. It's kind of insane to me. Sometimes I always like to think like if he was bringing awareness to something else. I mean, I just think the fact that he's a black male is just already set up to fail. But I sometimes just think of other forms of protest would have been met with this kind of backlash and it just goes to show how much work we have to do as a society. I just thought it was interesting that that's how he chose to spend his Super Bowl. I mean, I clearly didn't think he was gonna, you know, watch it. (laughs) Side note, Jay-Z and Beyonce, they were there and I love Beyonce. If you guys know, you know, our icons, Jay-Z, Beyonce, A. And they also sat down during the national anthem, which I thought was funny. Also Blue Ivy, their child. She also sat down during the national anthem, which I think is a power move to teach your children. (laughs) Anyway, so so many people messaged me wanting my opinion on this ad, and I don't mean that in a conceited way. I genuinely like my DMs were just like, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about this? How do you feel about this? And it was very overwhelming. And so like like I said, I I quickly tweeted that out and then I muted it shortly after just because that wasn't what I wanted to spend my day doing defending a PETA ad. I don't have any kind of loyalty or like, oh, I'm going to sit here and defend people from against PETA. No, absolutely not. Like PETA has done nothing for me. I guess not. I mean, PETA helped me a lot go vegan or whatever, but I know they're controversial and I know like I'm just not going to waste my day on PETA. And I tweeted something and that is what it is. And I don't want to sit here and talk about PETA. I just think it's like whatever. (laughs) I mean, at the time, I do think having this conversation is beneficial. Just like at the time, I was like, I'm not going to sit here and defend PETA. If you don't like PETA, you don't like the ad, I don't care. Like, that's fine. I'm not going to lose sleep because you don't agree with this PETA ad. And I knew people were kind of going to judge the tweet because like I said, I was talking about the ad. I wasn't talking about PETA. I think a lot of controversial, problematic companies put out really good ads all the time that I think whenever it's veganism, people just kind of lose their fucking minds. Like think about all the ads that you've seen that are kind of good and catchy and you like them and they're not problematic, but they could come from a a problematic company and no one says anything. I don't really think the ad was like that awful, but I'm going to get into something that just kind of irked me about it. And I'm going to 
get into that in a second. As I was kind of writing notes for today's episode, I finally kind of went through the comments that were left on um, this particular tweet this tweet that I sent out about my unpopular opinion about the ad. I finally like sat down to like look at the comments because like I said, I muted it for a pretty good portion of the day, I guess like all day actually. And so then I saw that one of my non-vegan friends, she said that it made her cry and really think about animals. And then I saw another one of my vegan friends who is also a person of color, I think is worth mentioning. And she said that she really liked it too. And then I saw another vegan account that had similar views to me, kind of stating like, I don't really like PETA, but that it could have been an impactful ad and they liked the commercial. Then I got another comment from an account I'm assuming is black, but um, I'm just basing that off of their Abby. That's like a cartoon that is of a black guy. (laughs) So I don't know. They said, no, I definitely think this ad was an incorrect way of doing it and disrespectful in exploitation of black people's struggles. We barely got the respect and recognition we deserve just so they can take and reuse as a way to talk about animal lives. I get it, I do, but they are stamping right over us. And even if I can't explain myself, this just does not feel right. And then it ended with, no, there's other ways to go about this. Another one of my friends posted something on her Instagram story from another from someone else and I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's kind of long but it said PETA co-opting Kaepernick's kneeling is in very poor taste especially given the organization's history of racism and racial insensitivity and then it ended kind of with fuck the NFL and fuck PETA basically and then the last comment I'm going to read is actually from PETA themselves responded to my tweet and said speciesism like other forms of discrimination is I say premise worldview in which humans justify using or excluding other species who are less powerful. It's time to recognize that every sentient being deserves to be treated with respect. To which I responded to PETA and I said, mm-hmm, I hear you, PETA, I do, and I'ma let y'all finish, but y'all need to be more intersectional and apologetic when marginalized beings are critiquing you. You're the poster child for veganism. You have a responsibility to be inclusive. And I hope you all and I hope y'all choose to make a difference for all beings. Emphasis on all because we all know that PETA um, has a history of kind of using black and brown bodies and ads and kind of posting, you know, little tidbits about black people and black vegans and all of this and all of that. But they never really speak out against, you know, our forms of oppression. The last perspective I'm going to give, and I just kind of wanted to give different per- people's perspective on the ad before. I really dived into how I felt about it. The last video that I watched was from the Young Turks, if you guys know that YouTube account. 
and I used to watch their videos all the time, so I'm still subscribed to them, but I typically don't really watch too many of their videos anymore. Obviously, these people aren't vegan and they aren't going to come from a place of anti-speciesism in their language. They had this one black lady and she was kind of talking about how she felt about the ad and how she felt that it was kind of mocking humans. And she laughed about how there was like a brown bear and not even a black bear. And then someone said that like they probably had a polar bear, you know, because they're white. And then somebody was like, maybe we should change it to at least a brown bear. And they kind of laughed about that. One guy says that it seems like an all lives matter type of ad. And then the black lady comes back and says something that legit made me like want to throw my laptop across Starbucks. It's like one of my biggest things that I hate when people say, and I mean, I'm being dramatic, like clearly whatever. I know that um, I understand why people feel this way. She said, you took away our kneeling to advocate for animals that get treated better than black people. And it's one of those perspectives and it's one of those narratives that I see a lot in the black community, not just a black community, but a lot of communities in general. And I understand maybe if you're like Paris Hilton's dog and she has her own dog house that has air conditioning and it's very lit in there for the dog but majority of pets and majority of animals aren't living these lavish lifestyles that people think that they live it just seemed like the whole video they were kind of focused on the fact that the eagles and the fish don't have legs and it kind of it kind of reminds me of like how we're so hyper like critical of anything that's vegan just because just like I was talking about with PETA's ad. And we're so hypercritical of whenever something is related to veganism. Like we don't ever question animals doing dumb shit in ads ever. But like obviously when it's a vegan ad, now all of a sudden we're going to pay attention to the fact that fish don't have knees. Like we don't care about like the Charlem, the like the Charmin, like the ultra strong tissue paper bear. You know, like you guys know the bear that I'm talking about. We don't care that this bear doesn't need tissue paper or toilet paper at all. We don't ever comment on the fact that, you know, maybe the honey nut Cheerio bee doesn't want you to take all their honey to make your fucking cereal. We never comment on that. We never comment on the fact that maybe the Geico lizard doesn't need car insurance. Like we never comment on that. Literally, as I'm saying this, I have so many examples that just keep coming to my head. Like the Tony the Tiger from Frosted Flakes. Maybe he doesn't want to wear, where in nature do you see a tiger wearing a red bandana? It just doesn't happen. A lot of the times meat eaters, when they're criticizing vegan things they are so focused on like the wrong things and they're like hypercritical of it and they point out stuff that they wouldn't have an issue with if it wasn't related to veganism and it's kind of like how when people go to like a vegan restaurant like whenever I go to Burger Patch and I sit next to meat eaters I notice that they're so hyper aware that they're eating vegan food which makes sense it's new food it's vegan food you don't know how you're gonna feel about it you're used to eating meat and you know you're very aware that you're eating this vegan food but they're so conscious of it they take their first bite and they are immediate immediately comparing it to like how does this taste like meat does this taste like meat to you how do you like the cheese how do you like this does it sound like does it taste like cheese and it's like they're so aware of versus like if you go to a new restaurant when you know whether you're vegan or you're not vegan and you go to a new restaurant you're not really like I guess like I don't know like if I'm going to another Mexican restaurant I'm like like 
I'm not like, look at the floor, look at the chair. Like, is this vegan? I wonder if this toothpick's vegan. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know. I just feel like they're so hyper aware that it's vegan when just like eat it. It's food. <sighs> Obviously the lady's comment when she said that, you know, animals are treated better than humans. And it's like, girl, we kill 4 billion let me let me say this again for emphasis because I know that we in our human brains can't even picture four billion. We kill four billion animals per day for consumption. Four billion. And this isn't this isn't even including like animals lost to habitat destruction, animals lost due to pollution, animals lost due to pest control or hunting or like domestic animal fatalities. This is straight up just for consumption. Please point to me where we are killing four billion black people per day. Show me because it doesn't exist. And that's why it, it, it makes me so it puts me in such an awkward situation as someone who's black because I constantly feel like I have to compare which one is more important always and it doesn't need to be like that and I think that we are and we really don't do this with any other movement like if I say that I'm a feminist and I also believe in environmentalism no one's really going to be like well which one's more important like blah 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 blah. it's like okay you you care about feminism and you care about environmentalism whenever it's veganism it's like you're vegan well what about migrant workers you're vegan well what about pest control or you're vegan well what about chocolate like you still eat oreos palm oil like it's always like straws plastic what about this like ha I got you like it's never it's always like this big competition especially with black issues it's like I have to like pick a side is what I have to like that's the best way that I can describe it and it doesn't need to be compared at all like we don't need to do that and it's like you have to choose well are animals more important than humans well why does that matter when I can equally fight for animals and I can equally fight for black people if I choose to, or I can care about black rights and only fight for animal rights if I choose to. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having like, you know, your passion is veganism. And as long as it's kind of reminds me if this is like a really like loose example, but it kind of reminds me of like when you're in school and you're forced to learn about like history and science in English, it's like English could be your thing and you love English and you're really good at writing essays and you think that this is your passion and this is your calling, but that doesn't mean that you are going to pass by in life without knowing your history, without knowing science, without knowing math. Like you still have to go through all of these other things because that's important and you might find that calling to that specific subject it's it's like no one ever also has a problem like if your passion is football like no one's looking at that football player saying why aren't you talking about the environment it's like clearly they could probably care about the environment but their passion is football it's like clearly I can be vegan and still care about black rights anyway I know I just like went on a huge tangent but it's like it's this thing that always comes up especially when I'm talking to other black people about veganism and it's always like this huge comparison it has to be pick one are you gonna fight for me or are you gonna fight for pigs when I could equally do both we as the human race if we killed black people I'm not even just saying black people if we killed humans at the same rate that we kill animals today just for consumption again mind you just for consumption the human race would literally be 
extinct in approximately like three days if we did this to humans. I just hate the whole all animals are treated better narrative. It's so ignorant, it's uneducated, and only focuses on pets, which is still like, even still humans have a superiority complex, even with their pets, where we control when they bark, we control when they eat. We can, I mean, obviously we do these things because we love them and care about them and don't want them to overeat or undereat. I mean, there's reasons why, but I mean, even then we still put what we believe is best for them because we're their quote unquote owner. So, I mean, even then we still impose our human superiority, even on pets, not saying that they aren't treated beautifully. I know so many people love their pets. I mean, I have a dog, like I treat my dog like he's a fucking king and I still control like when he walks and when he eats and when he poops even like, you know what I mean? It's like we even still control those things, even in animals that we care about. Just to say that like animals are living more lavishly than black people and like they are living better lives than black people. It's just like, why do we have to go there? It's one, not accurate. It just isn't. And two, it doesn't have any weight. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. The fact that black people are getting killed on the streets isn't a justification for why we should kill 4 billion animals a day for consumption when we don't have to. So my overall opinion on the ad is, yes, I obviously, I, I liked the ad. I'm not going to lie. I don't think that it, out of everything, should have been banned. I mean, we have commercials after commercial after commercial for alcohol that kills so many people. I think the biggest controversy is not going to be this PETA ad. The biggest controversy is the fact that we allow all the whole Super Bowl to just be this big commercialized thing in the first place. Like if you watch it, you just know that it's like the coverage brought to you by Pepsi and coverage brought to you by McDonald's. And it's just this big advertisement thing anyway. And I think there's a way bigger problem than just this PETA ad. I feel like I have to say this. I don't speak for black people. I know, shocking. I am not the poster child for black veganism. I am just Tyra. This is just my opinion. I grow and I learn and I change every single day. And the way that I feel today might not be the way that I feel tomorrow. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about pushing more black perspectives out there because we are all this black vegan and we all think the same and we all have the same opinion. I mean, there's so many black vegans that disagree with a lot of the things that I agree with. And there's so many black vegans where we all agree on a lot of things and it's great. And I, I, it's so important that we just push out all of these different perspectives within the vegan movement, especially black perspectives, because it really shows that not only are we united on a lot of things, but we also are different and unique people. And my opinion on this Super Bowl ad it could, could be completely different than someone else's opinion um, on the Super Bowl ad. So I actually do understand the perspective that a lot of Black people have, that it was something that kneeling that Colin Kaepernick did was something that Black people that was for black people and not animals and it was a way to bring awareness to our brutality and our oppression and I believe PETA when they say that they were trying to pay homage to Colin Kaepernick I do I think it was controversial way to kind of like spark a conversation regarding kneeling and brutality and this and that and I think it would have I would have loved to see the conversations that people were having after the ad because not only would that just bring up so much controversy and you guys know I love controversy <laughs> but I think it would have could have been negative it could have been awful it could have been positive and it could 
have not been, but I think it would have been interesting to see it happen. I really, the biggest thing is I really, really, really do wish they would have just partnered with Kaepernick on it. I don't understand why this couldn't be a project produced by other POC vegans, especially black vegans. Yes, black vegans, because this was bringing awareness to police brutality, racial injustice for black people, but also people of color. It would have been way more impactful if this was something done and thought of in a black perspective. And there were black people behind this ad and Colin Kaepernick had his blessing on the ad. I think that would have been way more not only beneficial and correct way to do it, but it would have just also been such an, a big move for intersectionality within veganism. I think the fact that Colin Kaepernick hasn't really spoke out against it or for it as far as what I've seen, I think that's a huge red flag that maybe, maybe they did contact him and he wasn't into it and didn't think it was a good idea. I'm not exactly sure. Colin Kaepernick is vegan. <laughs> so why wouldn't you, one, if you're going to use his style of protest, why wouldn't you contact him? And one, first, there is no way in hell that I would do something like that and not get permission from the person that was extremely exploited and extremely judged for doing that. There's no way that I would have put out this ad without re contacting Colin Kaepernick especially since he's vegan. As Colin Kaepernick, I would say, well, who's working on, I mean, I'm not Colin Kaepernick <laughs> by any means, but if I was in the situation, I would, and I was Colin Kaepernick, I would be like, okay, so who is doing the animation on, on this project? Are they vegans of color? Are you giving this, you're using my form of protest that is, yes, against brutality, which I think is a great thing. And I think it's amazing for intersectional veganism and black veganism especially but if this project isn't done by black people and it wasn't originated and wasn't and doesn't come from exploited people how do you think those people are going to react when they see that <laughs> like i just don't get it did you just not think about it did you just not care did no one seem to think and am i uneducated did this come from people of color vegans of color i don't know i don't think so but I mean, I just feel like that would have been the way to do it, the correct way to do this without really involve. I mean, and Colin Kaepernick might look at PETA and be like, I'm not giving you the time of day, PETA, like, bye. <laughs> and that could have been what happened. And they just decided to do it anyway. I actually do. I do understand the perspective that black people have. Like this was something for black people, not animals. It was supposed to bring awareness to brutality and oppression of black people, especially, but of marginalized beings. So I, I definitely do get that. I do get that outrage. And I do think that that could have been, this could have been avoided if this was a project done by black vegans. <laughs> and if this, this was created from black art and they were intersecting their own version of what they believe, their own perspective of brutality and oppression in intersecting that with veganism and it was like this huge cute thing of even all the farm animals and all the forest animals are kneeling against oppression too and all of our oppressions are interlinked and this was a project done by vegans that are oppressed i think that that would have been awesome and so fucking dope to see during the super bowl but if it wasn't which is what i believe <laughs> i highly doubt that PETA really thought this out which is why i think black veganism is so important 
we really will kill shit. And I think we really will make a difference. I just I get so hyped when I talk about black veganism, because our perspectives are so dope. And we're so we're such a cool community. And we are so unique, especially being vegan. We just have these really cool opinions. I mean, if you really listen, and you really take the time to listen to other black vegans talk, you'll just get a whole nother perspective that you never really even thought about, which I thought was so cool. It's like that feeling that I had when I first went vegan. This was a perspective that I never heard anyone really talk about. I mean, I heard people talk about slavery and I heard people talk about LGBTQ. Not that those are important. I'm not, this isn't a hierarchy. You guys know how I feel about hierarchies and superiority. This isn't one needs to be better than the other. It's just like I had already heard about those things. I mean, and not in great detail. I mean, I I don't even know. Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously, these are such huge like LGBTQ, that's so broad. (laughs) You know what I mean? But I had, I know that those things exist. But when I heard about veganism, I was like, whoa, this is something I never really thought about and never really heard about. And there was never really a name to how I felt about oppressing other beings while fighting for oppression. It was one of those things that helped me go vegan. I saw someone on Twitter that said how it was another black vegan that way before I was vegan and I was really my whole Twitter account was just full of black shit. (laughs) And it still is. But now I have so many other issues that I care about now that I found through veganism, like environmentalism was something I never thought about until I was vegan. It just shows that veganism is so broad. And anyway, (laughs) I know I'm getting off on a tangent, but I saw this guy tweeted to me and he was like, I wish I could find the tweet. But this guy tweeted to me and he said, um, you know, you, you speak a lot about oppression. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, you speak a lot about oppression, but you know, you still support other forms of oppression daily. You still oppress farm animals that are being killed by the billions every single day. I mean, we talk so much about one form of oppression, but if anyone were to mention any other kinds of forms of oppression, we think it takes something away from our own oppression when it really is just broadening our definition and our perspective of what we really think oppression means. I remember hearing that and I was like, did this guy really just say that my oppression is comparable to some farm animals? Like he has absolutely lost his mind and I just like brushed it off. But it is what sparked this little light in me, (laughs) this little small combustion reaction. Sorry, I'm a chemistry student right now. (laughs) And I was like, okay, (laughs) this kind of makes sense. And I really started to research it. I don't really remember how long after that I went vegan. There were so many other factors that played a part in why I went vegan. But that was a huge part of my journey was learning from another black perspective about veganism. That intersection that they did but with oppression was something that inspired me to even be the person that I am. And he probably had no idea. So I believe that that could have been impactful if PETA made this something intersectional. But I highly doubt they did. And that's something that I that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way is that we're so it's so normalized just to put black people into ads and like use our forms of protest and things like that and ads like you saw with the Pepsi ad with Kendall Jenner. And it's like it's so trendy now to use our forms of oppression when these people don't even actually know what racism even is, what oppression even is. But it's trendy to go to a protest. And it's like I genuinely see 
the positive in a lot of things. And I see the positive of seeing ads about protest on TV. It's a form of advocacy, even if it's negative and has lots of negative, I guess, has lots of negative outcomes. But that kind of during, I guess not using it in ads, but I guess I would more say the way that we've seen more protests on social media that comes through the lens of that person at that protest and how we've been able to see and feel the emotion that these people have as they're protesting on social media, even if we're not there. I think that's impactive, impactful. So I think, like I said, and I keep saying the PETA ad could have been something way deeper if you really looked into it but people were probably just going to look at it and be like oh whatever those stupid dumb black vegans but it is something that could have sparked that combustion reaction in someone else's brain too whenever we push other black perspectives about veganism it sparks something in someone I truly believe I'm gonna get to another main topic I promise but when I saw Ingrid um she's the founder I guess or founder I guess that that's the right word but she's the founder of PETA I saw her speak at the animal rights march in LA last year if you guys have never been to the animal rights march like and if you never heard about it research it please show up and support and go to it I met so many people from Twitter when I went there and it was so fun and I met new friends and I just I had such a good time and it was so cool to come out and see how many people care about animals and especially the one in LA where it's obviously a lot bigger but I saw the one in Atlanta and there were so many other black vegans there too it was a real it's a really cool experience if you guys ever go but I saw Ingrid speak the founder of PETA speak at our animal rights march and when I saw her come on I was like ugh. <laughs> and I noticed like other people were into it and I get it but I just I have this negative connotation with PETA and I saw her come on and I was like oh god <laughs> she started to speak a lot about intersectionality. She talked about how people who were against oppression of migrant workers and people who are against oppression of people of color and people who are against oppression of gay people and people who are against, you know, all these different forms of oppression are able to come together and fight for animals that are disregarded and disrespected and discriminated against depending on their kind. And it was something that united us all. I think she was talking about back in like, I think it was the 60s or 70s. I'm not exactly sure. Or maybe it was the 80s. I don't remember. But (laughs) she was talking about, you know, a point in time in history where veganism was a way that all of these people from all the these people fighting for different forms of oppression were able to come together and fight for this other group of oppressed beings that don't speak any kind of our language. You know, that doesn't mean that they're silent. Their voices, you can hear them screaming in slaughterhouses that is telling you, I don't like this. This is awful. I don't know what's happening to me. I grew up in this factory farm and what's happening to me is awful. We kind of can get that from the sounds of their screams and the tears that they have when you pass by them and those trucks that they ship them in where they're not able to, it's legally allowed to not have any food or water and things like that for a huge portion of time during transportation and you see those animals and you look in their eyes and you can see how sad they are and when you see activists that are going and giving them water at rest stops and stuff and you see how thirsty they are and how much they're fighting for that water it's oppression and it's a form of oppression that it's we can never relate to because one it's not happening to us currently I mean this has happened to 
people historically too. Obviously there are parallels, but this currently isn't happening, you know, to me or majority of people that I know, but we are still all, you know, oppressed in our own unique ways, but we can look at this other form of oppression and say that shit's fucked up and wrong too. And it was a way that, you know, this all kind of correlates like this oppression is, you know, we're all kind of being oppressed and like this was a way to fight for it to fight for something bigger than all of us. So she talked about this and she talked about intersectionality and she talked about all these kind of different people that were able to come together and be vegan. So I hope that she sticks to her word, truly believes this because with the history of PETA, the history that black people and people of color have with PETA is awful. I do believe that they are the poster child for veganism. They have a responsibility to be a good representation of veganism and only pushing white perspectives, only pushing white viewpoints is not veganism. Majority of our staples, tofu, corn, like all of these things that we eat come from areas of color. To just not push those perspectives and to only push white perspectives all the time, it's not representative. So I hope she sticks by her word. I hope she really believes in intersectionality the way that she made it seem in her speech. I just hope that they don't just use our oppression for an ad and then never bother to intersect again. So on the topic of black lives, <laughs> um, to go into my second main topic, which is my last topic for this episode, on Twitter, one of my friends, um, his name is Henry. You guys should follow him. His at is Black Vegan Jesus <laughs> on Twitter. And he posted, I want to go vegan, but I don't know where to start. And I laughed so hard because obviously he's vegan. So it was like funny because if you are a part of vegan Twitter, which most people probably listening to this aren't, basically you see a lot of people who will tweet like, I want to go vegan so bad. And then like so many vegans are like, oh my God, like here's this what I eat and you should do this and you should follow this person and let me know if you need help. And it's like so encouraging. And it's like those people usually never respond and like never really like pick up veganism again and they kind of just like tweet it out and then it's like whatever but I mean the fact that they want to go vegan and they tweeted that that is impactful and powerful and the fact that so many people were so supportive and I love to see when that happens it's cool and dope and I know that those people probably learned a lot just from even tweeting that so it's impactful I'm not hating on it or being a bitch or anything like that but it's just kind of like a running joke but then I found out that I was doing it wrong because that's what I thought that they were doing they were like oh I want to go vegan but so many people like will tweet oh I want to go vegan but like I can't give up Mexican food or oh I want to go vegan but like bacon so I thought that we were all like kind of like doing our own little like doing our own little like spinoffs of like like what would apply to us or something I don't know maybe I was thinking about it too deep like (laughs) but I, I guess you were supposed to use predictive text and they were supposed to like finish off the sentence so it was supposed to be I want to go vegan and then you were supposed to use your predictive text to like kind of form the rest I think is what happened So I tweeted, I want to go vegan, but I'm black because I thought that it was supposed to like apply to you. But I think it was you're supposed to use predictive text. And I was having like a boomer moment. But like anyways, (laughs) but I tweeted, I want to go vegan, but I'm black, which was inspired by Henry's tweet, which I don't know if he started it. I he was the first person that I saw do it. But I don't know if he started or someone else started it. But I just had to, you know, give credit where due. He inspired my tweet when I said I want to go vegan, but I'm black. And that's when I found out so many people like, 
we're like quote retweeting it and saying like, oh my God, me too. Or, oh my God, this is what I used to think before I was vegan. And I thought to myself like, wow, this actually has some weight. Like so many people were like same. And this is like me before I was vegan, like I said. And it like, it made me think like, fuck, like this is actually something that people are going through and really thought. Cause at the time I really thought that too. I was like, I thought animals, you know, that's cool and everything, but I can't do that. Like my cultural food, you know, or like my soul food or like any food or like Chinese food or Thai food. Like, how am I supposed to eat that? You know, <laughs> but then you have to think like you have so much. Ro- you have so many roots in veganism and you have so many icons that are vegan that you didn't even think about. Kimberly Elise, she's the she was in for Colored Girls and she was also in the Diary of a Mad Black Woman. She's vegan. And Angela Davis, she's vegan. And y'all know that Angela Davis is in like my top five favorite humans on the planet. Like I love Angela Davis so much. Like I could talk about her all day, but she's vegan. And Coretta Scott King, um, which was obviously the wife of Martin Luther King was vegan too. And Venus and Serena Williams, vegan. And Erica Badu, vegan. And Carl Lewis, which you guys, if you guys don't know who that is, he's like an Olympic sprinter. He's vegan. And obviously like Dick Gregory and all these other people are vegan. So we, we have like all these people that are vegan that we can learn from and grow from that also intersect with black rights and stuff like that. So I'm going to kind of just vent about black veganism a little bit for the remainder of this episode. And I think black perspectives within veganism is so important, obviously, because we know and understand oppression, arguably more than a lot of other people. We are hyper aware of our oppression because it's worked into our lives daily because we live in a white supremacist society. So we're consciously hyper aware that we are black. And I mean, this is obviously different for a lot of black people because I know when I go back east to visit my family or I go down south, it's a lot of black people there. And, you know, it would be like finding a white person or finding someone Mexican would be hard. Where I live in California, I see, you know, a little, especially where I live in Sacramento, it's very diverse here where there's a little bit of everyone here, which is why I love it here. But I mean, I still have lots. We have our little like white rich suburbs and like little like white areas and upper white middle class kind of runs a lot of Sacramento because we get a lot of the San Francisco people who can't afford to live in San Francisco. So that like, you know, hippie, trendy, I'm white, I work in San Francisco, people that can't afford to live in San Francisco, we get those people in SAC. And so um, we have our own little pretty diverse community of a lot of different people here. So when I say that we live in a white supremacist society, yes, as a whole society, it is built and rooted heavily in white supremacy. But that when I say that, like, we are hyper aware that we are black, I just mean that it plays a role in a lot of black people's lives every day, whether it's you go outside and you see just a whole bunch of white faces and you're the black person, obviously you're hyper aware of your oppression and the fact that these stereotypes that people have on you could be deadly to you all every day, you know? And like, so we are just hyper aware, you know, of our blackness. And so obviously that oppression will work into our analysis of what we believe oppression to be when we are applying oppression to other forms of oppression. I wonder how many times I say oppression when I'm talking in this podcast. Like if someone could tally the amount of times I've said oppression, even in like the past five past like five minutes of this podcast, I'm sure it's in the millions. Anyway, chances are if you're white and this is a generalization because I know that white people have like they could be white trans, they could be um that's just the one example that comes to mind. I mean I know people are sometimes hyper aware that you're trans and if you're not 
passing or stuff like that. I mean, that's a whole nother, you know, type of oppression that is very physical and like, I'm using all the wrong words, but it's another thing is like, you have black skin, people kind of know that. And if you're trans and you're not like passing, then other people are pretty hyper aware of that too. So they're probably hyper aware of that in themselves. All of these are generalizations, just as like a generalization, obviously not the not everyone, but for like a huge majority of white people, chances are you're not going to work not chances are your analysis of what you believe oppression to be is going to be different than my analysis of what I believe oppression to be because we go through different forms of oppression and I not only live through oppression but I study oppression a lot versus you might just know that I see an animal in a truck and it's going to a slaughterhouse I know that's oppression it's we have different definitions of what we would uh, believe we just have different perspectives because we come from different personalities, backgrounds, races, religions, sexual orientations, genders, everything. And a lot of the vegan movements, as we've seen with PETA a lot in the past, are represented and defined by white people, by straight people, by people who are not typically hyper aware of oppression in everyday life. And so the problem, again, is like we again, have seen with PETA and with the PETA ad is that you're speaking about oppression through the lens of someone who isn't typically oppressed daily. And that can get you into a lot of trouble. For example, um, I was listening to a podcast with Afco. I hope I'm saying her name correctly. But she was talking about kind of like when you Google veganism and that like infamous picture of the pig next to that like slave hanging from a tree. If you guys have seen that, if you don't know, you could probably go Google vegan and it'll pop up um and it's like this pig hanging and then next to it is like a slave I'm assuming like a a black slave hanging too and white people will kind of use this image to talk about oppression of black people to help us correlate and evoke some kind of emotion for animals but they don't truly understand what racism even is themselves to be really making this comparison and they use people of color and our atrocities to bring awareness to veganism while not uplifting the voices of POC vegans who could probably do it a little bit better it's like if you and it's not to say that you know you 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 were dumb and incapable of saying, you know, I saw these two forms of oppression, they correlate. It's just saying that a lot of the times people don't. And a lot of the times people will use POC atrocities and not even really know about those atrocities to be making that comparison. They'll use these comparisons without fighting for human oppression or really knowing about human oppression. You know, they are they don't really know about our history. So this, again, is why so many black people believe veganism is a white thing, because we all know like that one white vegan that goes like so hard for the animals, which is great. There is, like I said, nothing wrong with your passion being veganism. That is amazing. There are so many few people fighting for veganism in itself. But that doesn't mean that you get a free pass to not be woke and care about other issues. I mean, like I said, it's like my passion, I would say, for example, is I really am passionate about missing persons cases and true crime. And I'm passionate about black veganism and veganism in general and animal rights and environmentalism. And I feel like those things would be like my top favorite 
not favorite, but those are like my top passions in life. But I also am passionate about black trans youth, which I guess kind of plays into black rights. But I am passionate about I do think like other things are important too, like migrant workers. I think that's important. And it's just like not where my passion lies. But it's not that it's not important or that I shouldn't do things and I shouldn't buy local and be ethical, you know, when I can. I just so it's again, it's something wrong with veganism being your passion. But if you're going to make a comparison, this pig has similarities to black oppression. I would say that statement is true. I definitely believe that. But if you are going to make that comparison, you better know how you better be able to black back that up. If you're going to go to a black person on Twitter and say your oppression is comparable to animals, uh, you better be able to sympathize. You better be able to like empathize with the fact that that person's going to come to you and be like, bitch, what the fuck did you just compare my comparison to animals? And that's your problem. And that's what's going to get you in trouble because you're uneducated. You're talking about shit you don't know about and you need to fucking stop. (laughs) I'm sorry, but it's like, that's my issue is that you are so bold enough to compare something that you don't know about. And I, that's why I get irritated when people on Twitter, because I'm not a fucking history book. I, I'm still learning so much even about the Atlantic slave trade. I'm learning about pre and post civil wars. I'm still learning about the black codes. I'm still learning about the secessions and the civil war. And I'm still learning about the criminal justice system. There's so many things that affect poverty. Like there's so many things that affect black people. I'm not, I'm not the fucking hella woke. There's going to be people more woke than me always, but If I'm going to tell someone these two things are comparable, I better know what I'm talking about. So again, I know I went on, I went, I went off on a tangent, but there's nothing wrong with veganism being your passion. We all have passions. It becomes a problem, especially for POC vegans. And I think AFCO again touched on this a little bit on um, this perfectly because now before people of color can even talk about animal oppression, we have to dismantle like all of these stereotypes and bad connotation that veganism has before people of color are even willing to listen to you about veganism because you guys are so insensitive. You're so unkind. You're so fucked up to people of color when being advocates for veganism and you don't listen to them and you don't push their perspectives and you tell them to shut the fuck up when they try to get representation within veganism. Yeah, they're going to have a little bit of reservation when it comes to veganism. It's hurting veganism by not being intersectional because now we have to go through all of these stereotypes and say, yes, I know you think veganism is a black thing. You think you can't get this on veganism. You can't think we have to dismantle all. I mean, it comes with like health veganism, too. You have to go through the B12. You have to go through protein. You have to go through all of these stereotypes before we can talk about the root thing, which is oppression of animals. (laughs) We have to dismantle all these stereotypes. This is why I say it's like it's not enough to just say I'm not racist. It's not enough to just put black and brown bodies in your ads and quote POC vegans when someone is telling you how they feel about your advocacy. Your job is to educate and change your white friends on racism. It's not your job to lecture people of color about their own oppression and 
and that's something that a lot of vegans I mean it's different if you see like a dumb tweet where someone's like black people can't go vegan I mean clearly the POC vegans don't need to come in and say like I mean they can and that's impactful I'm not saying it's wrong but I'm saying that's a little bit different as a white person you could clearly be like bruh there's billions of not billions but there's so many POC vegans like what are you talking about and and this is not just the vegan community at all this is just something that I've noticed with black people with white populations and especially this is just something that I've noticed that people do in general is that white people will try to lecture black people on their own oppression and that can get you into a lot of trouble because a textbook definition of what someone else's version of oppression is from their perspective is going to be different than someone else's version of oppression for them because they're living completely two different lives they could be the same race but I mean they they are living you know two different realities so it it's hard when you try to come in and say like what is and isn't racism and what is and isn't this or that because it's not it's not mutually agreed upon and it's like through all of it's not like you can always get all gay people and say do we all agree on this it's not gonna happen I mean we can obviously come to a consensus like Candace Owens when she's saying dumb stupid shit all black people are gonna be like bruh like why are you doing that like when a huge portion of the black population is saying bruh I mean and that that's not a representation because a lot of a huge portion of the black population when they come to veganism is gonna say bruh but when you're talking about shit that has no backing it's just you're you're just saying shit for the sake of being controversial like a lot of like republican black people do that say a lot of things that don't have a lot of truth to them that's different than saying hey we should care about the oppression of animals and how the farming of animals is affecting the environment that's a little bit different you know what I mean the majority of black people are going to say shut the fuck up about animals but that doesn't mean that what I'm saying has no actual weight and isn't rooted in truth versus someone else's less of agreed upon opinion hopefully that makes sense so just as a community you know within veganism we just need to be open to criticism I know it can get hard I am the same way I'm not perfect at this I do this all the time where especially being a tourist I'm so stubborn and stuck my ways when someone like if I feel like disrespected or if I feel like someone's like trying to correct me in like a condescending way it like irritates me it's something that I even still need to work on this is not just exclusive to white people but just in general we need to be more open to criticism and I just really don't see what's so wrong with black and POC perspectives kind of taking a spotlight within veganism if anything it would be impactful and accurate to what veganism truly is and it would come from a group of people who can relate a lot to oppression it's just like our voice and veganism has just kind of been shunned forever even though veganism and vegetarianism and plant-based diets have roots in so many poc cultures and majority of our food comes from those areas and white people love to say it's just like it's about the animals it's not about race and that statement right there is just rooted in racism and supremacy to the point that even other poc vegans now feel that way because that's the only perspective of veganism that's been pushed is that veganism is only about animals while whites were out you know committing genocide (laughs) and slaughtering people of color we were using plant-based diets to heal our bodies and our minds and our souls intersecting veganism with other forms of isms or just intersecting veganism with different perspectives is always 
going to be beneficial. Side note, something that I get super self-conscious about when I don't agree when like I feel like my opinions aren't going to like be fully accepted by most people. I always just feel like whenever my opinions don't align with majority of like black perspectives, it makes me feel very self-conscious. Majority of black perspectives have a majority of black people have different views on life compared to me just because I'm vegan. And it's hard to constantly fight for a voice when majority of the noise is kind of going against you. And not that other black people are noises and I'm like this beautiful voice that's standing out. It's more of like all of these black people are saying valid things and mine just sounds so radical and different that it gets a lot of weird looks and it's just like and it's like you're like going against the beat of the choir and you're like off and you're not and you're gonna like stick out which is can be a good thing but it can also be constantly exhausting to defend yourself because you're so unique all the time being a black vegan that perspective is so unique so you're always on the defense like why don't you care about black people why did you intersect this why didn't you intersect that and a lot of black people are really interested in veganism, obviously, because we are like, I believe there was a poll saying that we are the fastest, like we are like majority of vegans or something like that, like black people make up or people of color or something like that, make up a huge portion of veganism. And so I think that perspective that black people are going to be like, oh, what about me? I'm black. I think that perspective is valid and it's there. But I think a lot of the times people of color are very open to veganism, but we just have to constantly dispel all of these like stereotypes that come with only pushing white perspectives within veganism. And that's why people think veganism is a white thing, because we only push the perspective of white vegans and white vegans are able to get these opportunities too is a huge portion of it's like a that's a huge um part of it too it's easy for white people to kind of in us in our society get their voices heard it's kind of like how we saw with the kitchen i think that's what the name of the cookbook is but did you guys know that that book is like written by white people and a lot of black activists came out against that book and were saying you know like while Um, people of color are getting slaughtered in the streets for looking like what you guys perceive thug culture to be. You guys are profiting off of it and making a cookbook for like hipster white vegans and profiting off of thug culture while we are getting killed for it. And that was something that a lot of black activists had an issue with. The fact that it was written by, I think, like two white people in their 30s. It's like, their perspective was kind of the only perspective that was really getting pushed and heard. And that's why it's still a popular book to this day, because a lot of black activists weren't getting those mainstream coverages. And that's getting a lot better now that, you know, social media has been able to call out a lot of different companies for not pushing POC narratives, especially when it comes to, you know, POC issues. Why are we asking white people and their opinions on POC issues? And I think that's becoming a bigger thing now that we're seeing shift. But even just from that being that one example, the New York Times, um, I think AFCO touched on this in the podcast I was listening to. So that's probably why it's fresh in my brain. But she was talking about how the New York Times even after a year after the book, I think, came out or the controversy started to spark. I'm not exactly sure. But a year after that happened, they the New York Times gave the owners or the writers of Thug Kitchen a whole nother article 
talking about, you know, the book again. And it's like, did you guys just not hear the whole black community say that we're we don't fuck with this? Why isn't our perspective being pushed? And that's a problem within the vegan community is that we black perspectives, Mexican perspectives, Asian perspectives, gay perspectives, women perspectives, um, a little bit more women perspectives are pushed a little bit more now. But I mean, from a feminist perspective, not just because they're women, but a feminist view on veganism, these things are typically not talked about. It's like when you Google vegan, all you see is health and maybe something about the environment or maybe something about almonds or soy, but it's usually like food. When you go on YouTube, um, I guarantee you, because I've done this, I'm writing um, a paper on this for my, just like a personal paper that I always write, but I always do like random essays for myself, but I'm doing a whole essay on just like what it means to be vegan. I never like release them or anything. It's just for me, but and like why kind of what do people think it means to be vegan not a textbook definition of veganism but when you go out on the streets and you ask people what do you think vegan is it's a health movement it's people who eat kale it's skinny people it's freely the banana girl it's um (laughs) it's all these things kind of related around food and so that's the problem when we don't have one animals being the spotlight of veganism in the first place and two we don't have different marginalized perspectives being pushed and that's why it's so easy for white people to get these opportunities to speak about veganism on the mainstream because we one have centered veganism to be a health movement which I mean unless you're black and you're talking about diabetes and heart disease which is different um and you were saying like maybe plant-based diets and even that still doesn't get that much coverage but even then when we do kind of get coverage it's even still just related to health and black people dying and using plant-based diets to, you know, alleviate and cure some of these chronic illnesses. So that is a problem and is rooted also, again, in just white, a white society and a white perspective all the time. So this is why it's so important. Again, I guess I keep saying that this is why black perspectives within veganism is so important because you have no idea what it's like to not be, you know, accepted by your own and to be like casted as like not black or not my child for a lot of people. I saw, I heard people talk about that in the diversity panel that I was talking about where sometimes people will go vegan and their families will literally like shun them. And I think those perspectives perspectives, we just never really hear about them. To not be accepted by black people as a black person is a feeling I never wish on any black person and especially a child. It's something that I just feel so hardcore all the time and it feels lonely and it makes you feel worthless and lost and creating a safe place for you and other black vegans to vent and feel is so empowerful empowering and loving and I'm definitely seeing this being pushed a lot more and um, I think that that's beautiful. Why white vegans are so threatened by black veganism is beyond me. For me seeing other vegans that looked like me was like life-changing and I wouldn't be vegan without seeing them I think sometimes I mean sometimes I think I would I obviously I think I would because I think you know it's not about you know seeing another black person do it it's about what is right and wrong and I definitely do think I still would have been vegan even if I didn't but I think seeing other black vegans kind of inspired me to want to be vegan like when I saw one of my mom's friends who was black and vegan and I wanted to go vegan at the time I wanted to 
I really wanted to be vegan. So I was it was kind of already in my in my mind. And when I met her and she was black and vegan, I told her, I said, the next time you see me, because she lived out of town and she comes to visit my mom pretty often sometimes. And I said, the next time you see me, I'm going to be vegan. I promise you. And I was. And she definitely was that thing that kind of sped up the process where she was talking to me about veganism and about black veganism and how many black people are vegan. And I was just like, whoa, this is so cool. And it sped up my process of being vegan. So that's why that's a whole nother reason why I think black veganism is so important. And just to kind of touch on like our roots and black veganism, not to go super back into Africa or like really back in the day, but just in the the 70s, there was a movement called Move. It was a group founded in 1972 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania by John Africa and Donald Glacy, I Gacy, something like that. It was a movement kind of similar to the Black Panthers, and they were all about Black liberation, and they were intersected with Black rights and animal rights, which I didn't know that this existed. And just some FYI, since it's Black History Month, and I really wanted to cover this move movement on May 13th, 1985, which is actually three days after my what my birthday would have been if I was alive during this time. The city of Philadelphia bombed their own people. These people being the members of the move organization, they bombed this building that housed several women and children and 11 people were killed. And and that included five children and the founder of the organization were killed during this bombing um, that we did our own city. Well, it's not my city. I don't live in Philadelphia, but our own country bombed our own people. And this also destroyed about like 60 plus homes. It left 250 citizens homeless. And that's kind of why when people try to say, why don't black people, they should be where we are at because slavery has been abolished for so long. And they don't think about all these other different things that have happened to black people that continuously set us back and are continuously setting us back today. We have never been able to recover from slavery just because we can drink at the same water fountain as you does not mean that our people haven't are still going through so many different forms of oppression that keeps us in poverty every single day. And this is just another example of that. I mean, 250 people just being homeless imagine how many imagine the ripple effect that that might have had on that on the city of Philadelphia and just the black community in general move was also an anti-government movement they were anti-technology they were anti-corporation John Africa like like I said, he was the founder and creator of the movement, was a Korean war vet, and he was very into black revolutionary and ideas within environmentalism and right and animal rights. And he was really into getting black people more connected to nature. And the members were often um, often would change their last names to Africa out of like reverence for the founder. And then obviously after the continent of Africa and members often the members would often protest at like zoos and pet stores and like political rallies, which I just think is so cool. And sometimes it's cool to think about the type of person that I would have been maybe in other situations and other time periods. Would I even be alive? Probably not. I'd probably be doing some dumb shit that would have got me killed. I mean, it's not dumb shit. You guys know, like obviously fighting for oppression. I could just I already know I'd probably one of those people that would be at these fucking zoos being crazy, fucking <laughs> protesting, defying the stereotypes of what it means to be black. I definitely see that in myself or maybe I wouldn't. And I would be a completely different person. I don't know. But I just think it's cool to know that there are black people out there who 
we're doing this shit back in the 70s and we're intersecting that with black rights way a long time ago and they believed in like composting and homeschooling and they believed in a diet consisting of like raw foods and things that typically are labeled as white things today which is why again black veganism is so important the history of black veganism is so important because it will change the way that we view a lot of these things within veganism as like composting and homeschooling and raw foods it's so associated with like raw vanna and like <laughs> that one girl what the fuck is her name elise i used to love her i'm so i feel so betrayed by that bitch but that is a whole nother episode but it's so tied with like white people and dreads when those things came from people of color this kind of leads into the politics of black veganism and like how fast food places and junk food companies have convinced black people that chicken and bad foods are a part of our culture and like this thing that we don't eat fruits and vegetables because we all live in food deserts and can't afford it it's like this huge stereotype within just black people and the black community in general and again I think this was AFCO who briefly touched on this in an interview that I was listening to this mainly is done through like advertisement and there's like a huge reason why the marketing industry is in a billion dollar industry these ads kind of shape the what it means to be black yet Again, black people are allowing these industries to shape what blackness is by pushing black and brown bodies and their culture into their ads. And it reminds me of how colonization brought Christianity, which is now a huge part of black culture. It's like the media and the bias like portrayal of what it means to be black is now again colonizing us to believe that blackness is chicken and blackness is fried chicken and blackness is KFC and McDonald's and diabetes and heart disease and Tyler Perry movies and it's shaping that Again, we are allowing industries and us to be bamboozled into what we think it means to be black because we have these ads that are taking vulnerable people who have had their culture stripped for them and saying, here's a culture based in profit for us, based in capitalism for us. And we are going to take these people who don't have um, really a strong connection and they have a strong connection to bad things and we're going to capitalize that like we know black people love chicken so we're going to make sure there's lots of kfcs and low-income areas where black people typically live and these foods that produce endorphins that are making us feel good that's a whole nother that's a whole nother tangent but it's like they know what they're doing when they capitalize off of black people now, black people, as Afco kind of put it, are aiding in their own oppression and keeping alive stereotypes and mistaking these stereotypes for what it actually means to be black. And if you think about McDonald's ads, they use like hip hop music and like lots of black people in their ads and are trying to make a profit off a group of people whose culture has been erased through years and years of oppression. And Afco uses the example that I love of the Tyler Perry movie at the beginning where there's that black guy who is in like a hospital room and he can't pronounce colonoscopy due to like his illness or something. She states that that's supposed to be funny to us, you know, and like the daughter in the movie like suffers from like diabetes and then Medea is going through like the drive through again. And then like, again, all of these examples reinforcing our own negative stereotypes and packaging them as blackness or black culture when these are actually racial disparities between not only race, but just 
just class and it's not culture. These are disparities. And having McDonald's in predominantly black areas isn't black culture. It is capitalizing and profiting off the low income people in that area. And McDonald's doesn't give a shit about black people unless we're putting money in their pockets. And they are purposely targeting black communities with their cancer causing ass types of foods. And black people, again, have been bamboozled into thinking that blackness is McDonald's. And listening to um, the Black Girls Nerds podcast, I found out that McDonald's actually has this initiative called the 365 Black. And it's this real website, like, please, please visit it for your own amusement. It's meant to celebrate black culture 365 days a year, sponsored by McDonald's. And it literally is a website full of black people, full of pictures of black people on their homepage. And right front and center, it says my history, my legacy, my heritage. And it's like this black kid in the football costume, which is again, how all of this shit in her inner intersex because I mean the whole NFL just exploits black and brown bodies for the five years that they can you know perform I mean I mean like around five years or so years that your body is able to like continuously play I mean I know like people go longer or whatever but it's like it shows how like all of this is intersecting like all of these like issues are like related and McDonald's preys on historical black colleges and universities and sponsors their football games and gives out sponsorships to black kids and provides like little selfie frames with McDonald's arches and they are like they're even infecting their way into historical black cities like Burlingham Alabama and doing different festivals and organizations in Burlingham and sponsoring different events pushing their company on black people knowing that their food is killing us and they have this campaign even called black and positively golden which is supposed to focus on like truth and power and pride and like the black community and like it like is so into like black excellence and all of that and they have like infected their way into even the BET experience and they even are involved in um, this gospel tour. It's called the Inspirational Celebration Gospel Tour, which they also sponsor this, which you guys know gospel is very linked to black culture. And the poster picture of the Black and Positively Golden Day campaign that I was talking about just like a few seconds ago is a black girl like in a garden. Like that's the picture, you know, like when they have like the little picture that is supposed to like the top you know like the picture at the top of the article it was this black girl in this garden and she has like beautiful natural hair and she's like in this garden and I'm just literally looking at this picture like bitch what are we talking about the same fast food company McDonald's McDonald's you're gonna have a picture of a girl in a garden McDonald's really and like the little like you know, like they'll have the picture and then it's like a little caption under the picture and it says a celebration of fun, food and community. Bitch, what? I am in confusion. They claim all these roots in blackness, yet their menu is full of gross ass shit. Nothing from a garden like their ad is trying to portray. Like their salads are the closest thing to garden foods as you're probably going to get at McDonald's and even then are even they are full of calories, that hundreds of calories, and they contain class one and class two carcinogens, and it has dairy in it, a huge amount of dairy, which 70 to 95% of black people are intolerant to. 
Yet you use black excellence and black community to make a profit off of black people and in return feed them foods that are killing them more than gun violence. Figure that. How are you going to celebrate blackness when you provide foods we're literally intolerant to that are literally known to cause cancer? They even have McDonald's. Did you guys know that McDonald's even has a McDonald's Black Award? Google it. Seriously. Google 365 Black Awards. Like, what the fuck are you even celebrating? They are awarding like civil rights films and like civil rights leaders. And and in return, like, yay, we have civil rights leaders that are fighting for you. But in return, we're going to feed you cancerous foods that are killing you more than anything else on the planet. Heart disease being our like number one killer and highly linked to um, carcinogens that we pump into your community. Woo. This is why black veganism is so important. It is so important that black people have a place where they can learn about their roots and legacy within plant based diets. It's so important to for them to learn about the political politics that go into black veganism and veganism in general and how lack of veganism is affecting our communities because it is so important to bring awareness to these things because I think that the more that they are in the mainstream the more people are going to resonate with them and not just black people I know white people are fully capable of seeing something and injustice happening to black people and saying that that is wrong and that is enough for me to go vegan even if that is not infecting my community which I would argue that it is because a lot of things that are racial are also classist and I know so many white people clearly live in poverty and lived in and grew up without a lot of money and those are ways that things intersect too how racism also intersects with poverty and vice versa but that's all that I'm going to talk about today because I know I've been talking for a million years it feels like um I hope that you guys like this episode of the podcast if you guys are drinking out of your kombucha with like your wine glass or like if you guys are drinking whatever drink out of whatever glass or whatever cup if you guys tag me on my instagram which is at kombucha hour I will repost it on my Instagram so many of you guys have been tagging me and like you guys listening to the podcast and if you guys can like screenshot like what episode you're listening to and like tell me like what you're doing while you're listening to that episode I don't know why but I like to see like what different people are doing when they're listening to the podcast like are they cleaning their house and they're on their way to school are they dropping their kids off are they like about to go get like dick like what are you guys doing when you're listening I don't know I just think it's interesting to um see what you guys are doing when you're listening to the podcast and if you guys are actually drinking your beverages because you know we got to stay hydrated in this bitch and if you guys could put like a rating for my podcast on apple Podcasts, that would make such a huge difference to me and if you guys hate this podcast and you hated this episode just kidding just pretend like i didn't say anything at all just like click goodbye like love you see you soon see you bye <laughs> but if you guys like the if you guys like the episode and you guys are like the podcast so far if you guys could leave me an apple review that would really be helpful because it helps bring the podcast um up in like searches and stuff like that and I always like to end every podcast episode and I'd usually like to begin it with it too but 
Um, I think I forgot to say this episode, but if you don't fuck with this episode of the podcast, that's okay. You might fuck with next week's episode of the podcast, or if you typically fuck with all of my episodes, which I've only had, I guess, now four now, but if you typically fuck with all of them and this one just wasn't your thing, that's okay too. Or if this one was your favorite one and you kind of... you learn more about me from this one then that's cool too like it's okay if you don't fuck with every episode of the podcast because next week you might so I will see you guys in next week's episode thank you guys so much for being patient um I have a chemistry test next week (laughs) so I will definitely still be uploading because it will be like the small break that I have in between studying crying um wishing I had changed my major and looking up how much I can make um living off the land okay so I will see you guys in next week's episode Bye.